0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Pillar Podcast. This is not our Christmas extravaganza. We promised you one. And uh, and the thing is, Christmas is in octave. At any rate, uh, this is an episode of The Pillar Podcast, the podcast that brings you great Catholic conversation each week. Not Christmas extravaganza conversation, but there's a reason for that. We'll talk about it. At any rate, I'm your host and Pillar Editor-in-Chief, J.D. Flynn. I'm joined by my podcasting partner, Pillar co-founder and moose sweater-wearing guy, Ed Condon. Ed, hello. Hi, J.D. Hi. Ed, why are we not having a Christmas extravaganza right now? Didn't we promise the people a Christmas extravaganza?
1: Promise is a strong word. I don't remember promising anything. I, um, I it, it, It's an intention we had and still have, but there's been a lot of news, and it felt like we would be ducking a conversation on some important stuff if we just went straight to the Christmas quiz episode, and also I have not had time to sit down and write the quiz, or invite the guests. So,
0: and and it is a lot of it is a lot of there is a lot of news, and and the the setting up the Christmas episode is a lot of work that honestly we just didn't get to because it's a lot of work for Ed. Really, I just come to it. Um, I don't. I'm not. It's Ed's thing. Ed I, I take it very
1: show. very seriously, and I really like it. I'm, yeah,
0: that's. I, why he I was did. really into making it, and he didn't want to do a sort of subpar version of it. And we ended up being really busy this week with a lot of news, and uh, and it's Christmas time. And it will be Christmas time for a little while, and so we actually have probably, I said Christmas is an octave, but very honestly, Christmas... Twelve days, Christmas maybe. A, yeah, and 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 even if we need to go beyond that, I mean, what's the l- latest we could get to and still call ourselves in, in Christmas?
1: February 2nd, Candlemas, really?
0: Yeah, right, exactly. So we will have some kind of extravaganza between now and Candlemas, I think. I,
1: I'm confident that that will possibly happen. <laughs>
0: That's why you love it, everybody. You never know what's going to happen on the podcast that brings you great Catholic conversation. You're expecting just a great, rip-roaring Christmas extravaganza. And instead, on the morning of December 23rd, two days before the Feast of Nativity, we're going to talk about our usual kind of stuff because there's a lot of stuff happening in the life of the church right now. And, And honestly, you guys are asking so many questions. And when you go... To Christmas dinner, let's say that you are among the many pastors or parochial vicars or seminary professors who listen to this show, and when you go um, home for Christmas dinner, your dad's going to ask you about these kinds of things that we're going to talk about today. Or when you go to Christmas dinner, if you're not a pastor, let's say you're um, a person who likes to listen to this show, nevertheless, it's going to come up at Christmas dinner if your family are the kind of practicing Catholics who read the news, or even to some extent, if your family are non-practicing or non-catholic people who read the news because there's just been a lot of catholic stuff in the news and they're going to expect you to know because they know that you're a pillar podcast listener and what we couldn't do was send you to christmas dinner ill-equipped to discuss things that are in the news and will be at the christmas dinner table
1: that's that's exactly right that that's, that was my entire train of thought
0: this is a service we do not let it be said that we sent you to christmas dinner unprepared we would not want we would not want you to be unprepared and you would not want us to leave you unprepared
1: I think people probably are going to have those conversations, aren't they?
0: Well, I think people are, like we're getting a lot of questions about about you know th- th- things. No, I know. I, I
1: we doing. are, we are, and I'm I, I'm agreeing with you. I think you're right. People, are, I mean, I I refuse. Like Thanksgiving, Christmas, I recuse myself from conversations about the news and especially about church news. And I do it in a very. But
0: your parents are visiting. Your parents are visiting. Haven't your parents asked you, Ed? Could you explain? Blah
1: blah blah. Sure, I mean in informal conversations, absolutely. But I'm saying at the big table, big festial events. I uh, I just say, oh, can we not talk
0: about work? Uh, you
1: know, do I do I, you know? Am I going to ask you about you know whatever it is you do for a living? You know, it's just you know. Let me.
0: <laughs> I hope you say exactly that. I hope you say exactly. that. I do. I'm going to try. Be... Am I going to ask you about whatever it is that you do? I have not. Oh no, no. I, no. Have... I know what they
1: all do. I didn't want to give an example because then it would sound like I was singling someone out. I'm not. Saying, I have no idea what other people do. I'm not a jerk. I Just saying, you know, who wants to talk about work at Christmas? I. But for other people, it's not work. It's what's happening. And I.
0: Yeah, that's what's happening. And honestly, uh, now to uh, now to explain the depths of JD's vanity, I really don't mind questions about work because they're a subset of a broader category that I like called questions about me. <laughs> and so. <laughs> <laughs> Let, a question so, about church um, well,
1: news is effectively jd gets to talk about himself
0: and well or things that jd knows about but in either way uh hold court to some extent and again these i'm telling you the things no one's going to use this against me because i'm effectively telling you the things that i confess i'm revealing to you manifesting to you my conscience but jd has no problem holding court even when he ought to when he ought to see the table the att- and the attention to others even even when he desires that others may be preferred to him even when he desires that others may be seen rather and he be unseen for their sake jd has a penchant for being willing to hold court or pontificate at such a table and um, and therefore i don't mind the entry the entry point well
1: i mean each to their own i i would prefer to you know concentrate on the important things uh, <laughs> food and wine for example
0: yeah i figured you were thinking the meat
1: yes i i would rather concentrate on what's for dinner and what are we drinking with it and that sort of thing. But,
0: you know, mm. that we
1: are a yin and yang sort of combo. Well, we don't like
0: eat. That. I think I told you this already. Well, I don't know. Did we talk about what we're doing for Christmas uh, in the last episode? No, we did not. We don't drink that much at Christmas Eve dinner, which is our sort of big family dinner because. You're going to church. We, we're we going to church. That's right. And, uh, and so, you know, one must be.
1: Well, that makes sense. I mean, are you doing a sort of Mediterranean time. fish dinner?
0: We're not. That's not our custom. I see. Sorry, no,
1: I, d- but I don't. But you mind
0: care it. a lot about Christmas customs and traditions. That I, I look, this I like Christmas. I I go, I go big on you're Christmas. You are really into you like Christmas, and you not you not only like Christmas as the feast of the nativity. You like you you have, you own Christmas sweaters, which I do not. You,
1: I own several like, Christmas sweaters.
0: Yeah, you own several Christmas sweaters. I, I actually have two separate things.
1: shelves. I, I have family friendly Christmas sweaters and not family friendly christmas sweaters
0: like what would be an example of those this is uh this is a family show but we also we have a we have a producer who's a very handy bleeper so if you need to be.
1: um okay well so accepting that this will have to be redact no i for you mentioned that i'm wearing a, a moose themed sweater which there's uh, a moose on your uh, sweater a, i can't a,
0: see a, are there words under the moose
1: no there's no words under the moose it's okay. just a moose um i have you know i have one with with holly on it in a sort of green and red what do you i have a nutcracker christmas sweater cardigan that you know has a nutcracker on one side and a sort of sugar plum fairy on the other i i have a lot of christmas sweaters i have another one that um that is read and it has um a quote from a christmas film that my wife and i both like and the quote reads yippee ki m- oh, um, right. and is riddled with machine gun bullet holes because of course it's from die hard um so yeah you know i have a lot of i have i have a christmas sweater for every occasion um or at least I I've don't had even a have one for sweater. the broad
0: occasion called Christmas. So that's my point. This morning you were ribbing Which is me for strange
1: because you're normally very into knitwear.
0: I wear a lot of sweaters, but I try not to. I, I, I try not to trivialize them or make them novelties. I just like wearing sweaters.
1: I'd, well, I haven't bought any of these myself. They've all been gifts.
0: Yeah, maybe people study.
1: understand JD that I like this season. It is this is the season. I, look, if I had a sort of um, what do the kids call it? Um, spirit animal is that what they call it?
0: I don't think kids call it that. I think, I think uh, like um, people pushing into middle age call it that. But,
1: okay, but what the the sort of totemic representation of your inner id,
0: yeah, well, right, mm-hmm. is is,
1: is, is the is the scene from Home Alone, which is a fabulous film and you know links deeply to my childhood for other reasons.
0: Because you're, you grew up, you lived in Chicago before you lived in England, and also I because did. Yeah. Joe Pesci was constantly badgering your family.
1: He was, but you know we took it in stride. No, but the the mother from Home Alone, there's a scene where she's standing in a airport departure lounge and can't get on a plane home and cetera. and she just starts having an absolute screaming ab-dab and just yells no this is christmas the season of perpetual hope and you know this sort of angry force of will you know i i that appeals to me so i i go i go big with christmas and i you know even if even if i need to do it with gritted teeth it is it's going to be from tomorrow well i say tomorrow let's be honest it's it's almost 1 p.m on friday the 23rd and i'm drinking already so so um, which is we
0: do have a lot of work to do today but what did you no, get? No. i mean gosh we're not doing a christmas extravaganza because we have a lot to talk about now we're just yapping but what can mrs condon expect under the tree this year?
1: i'm i've gotten my wife a few presents uh the honestly the gifts are secondary to me for christmas i i am not a i don't lean heavily into the gift giving aspect it is more the merry making I I, I I like a good wassailing um I like uh, I, I like a good meal together. We we have in the we took a break because of you know the COVID era, but my wife and I have traditionally had a twelfth a night party at our oh, house. Nice. We, you know for the Epiphany, we one one should make merry at Christmas, and I yeah. I take that very seriously.
0: We were planning to have an Epiphany party, but we we decided yesterday not to that. We'll choose some feast day in February and have a party because we. Oh, you want to come to mine? A lot of things to do. Uh, are you having one?
1: Yeah, I think so. Probably. I might. Am I, I haven't invited? told my wife yet, but
0: yeah. Am I invited? Yeah, if you want to, of course. Okay. All right. Listen, we got a lot to talk about here, um, and uh, you just you want to keep talking about Christmas, I know, but the people don't want to keep listening to you wanting to talk about Christmas. I don't think.
1: Well, you're very rarely right when it when you choose to <laughs> assess. <laughs> What the people do or don't want to hear me go on about. That's how we ended up with whole episodes of Hat Chat. You and your confident predictions of what people didn't want to hear about.
0: That's true. This is knitting talk, I suppose. Um, But we need to move on from, uh, from Christmas knitting talk to talk about the thing which many Catholics are asking us about this week. There are a couple things that many Catholics are asking us about this week, but the thing which we're going to start with. And maybe finish with I don't know, depending on how long we talk about it, is the uh, the laicization of the longtime director of Priests for Life, um, now Frank Pavone, um, uh, formerly Fra- Father Frank Pavone, but now Frank Pavone. Um, it was reported last Saturday by uh, by uh, other reporters on Saturday night, um, by actually by our former employer, our former news agency, the Catholic News Agency, reporters there. So I feel like we can say, hey, people that work at the place where we used to work did it. They get a kudo. Um, anyway, it was reported last Saturday night that that um, uh, the Congregation for Clergy had communicated to the Apostolic nunity of the United States, who communicated to the bishops of the United States, that uh, the Frank, formerly known as Father, had been um, laicized in at, at the conclusion of a process, a, a seemingly a penal process related to um, blasphemy on social media and additionally related to disobedience, perdoing disobedience um, of against um, his bishop. And um, this report raised a great many questions, um, in particular because soon after the news broke, um, Pavone himself, who is, I guess I say, the longtime director of Priests for Life, a longtime well-known figure in American Catholic circles, once, I think, Broadly revered figure for his work in pro life in pro life activities and his work to end abortion and to help the church with that, um, took to his Twitter platform, which is the place where he likes to take most often these days, and did a long live streaming video in clerics appearing as a priest, continuing to refer to himself as Father Frank, and um, indicating that he had not been informed of this uh, this action of lay cessation, indicating that he had not uh, that he had not received any news about it from the Holy See, calling it into question and suggesting that he, in fact, was the subject of long-time persecution by his ecclesiastical superiors in the life of the church. And that has set off a lot of conversation, disagreement, I think even confusion about the situation. And before we kind of talk, offer sort of views on it, we just wanted to make sure we explain each part of it. So I think one thing that might help, Ed, is honestly, based upon the questions that we've been getting, I think it might help for us to explain the relationship between um, sacred orders, the sacrament of orders, and something called the clerical state and how that is understood in the church and how one gets the clerical state and how one can lose it. And um, I, this is something that I talk about with my uh, my seminarians because, as you know, I teach a lot of seminary. And, uh, and my, in fact, my final this semester was basically for them to explain to me, much of my final is for them to explain to me how you get and how you lose the clerical state and what it is. So I guess that was prescient. But why don't you give um, give everybody a sense of these things? What is the clerical state and how does it relate to being a priest?
1: Well, the, the clerical state is a legal category. And it, attendant with the clerical state, with the status of being a cleric, one acquires certain rights and obligations. Um, those rights and obligations can vary depending on where you are a cleric or, you know, if you're a cleric, um, in the Latin church, for example, it comes with the obligation to not just continence, but also celibacy. That is, one is not free to marry. But also, there are certain obligations about um, around daily prayer, around attendance at the sacraments, about continuing education, that sort of thing. And you acquire certain rights, including, you know, for example, clerical dress, um, the, how how one might refer to oneself or be styled. Uh, you know, th- the that's right to
0: of... sustenance and remuneration, which is yes. to say, the right to long-term sort of financial stability on the part of the church.
1: Yes. Um, all of these things. And,
0: and and basically, when you say it's a legal state, as I think of it, it's sort of, I think of it as the legal class of persons who are ordained and whom the church judges suitable in one way or another, or who, whom the church has not judged other than suitable for sacred ministry. That is to say, in the class of persons eligible for sacred ministry.
1: I, I suppose that's a good way of putting it. Um, yes, because of course, and clerics, I mean, to be honest, to, you know, the clerical state used to, in the before times, in- encompass whole classes of persons you know, who right. had gone through what we used to call minor orders. You know, you could have acolytes and um, you know subdeacons and all of this sort of thing. We're all part of the clergy. Now we just have um, the three ranks of clerics, which are the diaconate, the presbyterate, and, and the episcopacy.
0: And you enter so, this clerical state at the same time you're ordained a deacon. It's kind of like the yes. legal, one of the legal things that happens to you when you get the sacrament of orders.
1: We, we used to have, when we had a broader understanding of orders, um, it, it used to be that the clerical state extended beyond the the, the, the inner circle. Yes, beyond the inner circle, sacramental ordination. Now, now the two are effectively coterminous that, um, you know, you, you have to be a deacon, a priest, or a bishop to be a cleric. And as you say, you can, you can have one without the other because, of course, you can be, you can lose the clerical state. You can be dismissed from the clerical state. You can be, as we used to say, reduced the lay state. although, But
0: you can't lose orders, right? One is a you priest well, because a bishop forever. No, I mean, orders a sacrament is a, is a sacrament.
1: Right? Yeah, exactly. A sacrament is a sacrament. When you are sacramentally ordained, you can't unsacrament someone. You can't mm-hmm. unbaptize someone. You cannot unordain them. If you are a priest, you are a priest forever. This is the church of sacrament. That it imparts a character, that there is an ontological change. That the Lord, as he looks at you in your, um, in, in your, in your immortal being, recognizes that you are configured to the if you are a priest the priesthood that you are a priest forever that that is how you are in all eternity that you are still a priest in in heaven as it were or in hell um as as the situation demands that you in the same way that baptism imparts a character so too does sacred orders and so if you come to a point where uh, the church judges for for reasons you could say neutral or or if you like um negative reasons why you can no longer function as a cleric and and the church will reduce you to the lay state or dismiss you from the clerical state and attend it with that you lose the rights and privileges of the clerical state, which include, for example, um, the faculty for certain sacraments. Mm-hmm. That, you know, as a your your if you are a laicized priest, for example, you can still validly confect the Eucharist, because that is a function of your sacramental ordination. But you are no longer licitly able to do so you but you will lose for example the faculty and therefore the for validity the ability to hear confessions and absolve sins except in certain circumstances where the law itself provides the faculty like the danger of death or whatever um but and this 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 often leads people to some confusion that you know if you're a priest you can always do everything even if the church says you can't because you're a priest but it's not true because it depends on where the authority of certain sacraments is rooted in the hierarchy of orders so for example the 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 sacramental power to confect the Eucharist is rooted in the presbyteral order, but the right. forgiveness of sins is really rooted in the Episcopal order, that it's a function of the bishop's ministry. And so you need the faculties from a bishop or from the law itself, which effectively means from the Holy See, to be able to hear confessions and validly absolve people. Um, so you, anyway, you lose all of those faculties when you when you lose the clerical state, but you are nevertheless still a priest you right. you aren't to be addressed as a priest you aren't to hold yourself as a priest you're not to wear clerical dress or be called father or anything like that
0: and you can't uh, expect the church to support you in those kinds no, of no
1: you well that's the, those but, are those are among the rights you lose yeah. with the clerical state are the are the right to sustenance and remuneration and that sort of thing decent support you could say
0: but ontologically sacramentally in terms of the in terms of the, the, your uh, character in the eyes of God, you are indeed a priest, even though, even though you're not a priest in the position to exercise sacred ministry. Correct. Uh, right. Yeah. So this is what happened to Pavon, and it happened, the the, uh, the 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 letter didn't say this, but we did some confirming and some reaching out, and it just made sense based upon the way that the initial letter was structured, that Pavon was laicized through um, a um, a set of faculties or prerogatives extended to the congregation for clergy I think I want to say 2009 or 2010 it was 2009
1: call, by Benedict the 16th yes
0: yeah which we call the special which we call the special faculties and the special faculties are essentially a, a set of a set of designations or prerogatives extended to the congregation for clergy to help bishops deal with in one way or another wayward clerics um, clerics who have attempted marriage clerics who have simply departed and you know who have left the diocese ministry fallen off the radar and not come back or clerics who would fall into a broad category of being of problematic of being problematic Leave, that li- instance,
1: living in public i mean it's li- the yeah. way that the faculties are worded is i mean we should well it depends on how canonically nerdy we want to be there were three at the time in 2009
0: any danger okay
1: well yeah. so at the time in 2009 when these special faculties so I'm just
0: pull up the law while you're talking
1: you go for it um, the first special faculty deals with Priests who effectively set up in public concubinage, as you say, they attempt civil yeah. marriage, mm-hmm. um, they've acquired a lady, and very often they have beget children with the lady, and that sort because of thing.
0: Because they, they were they – were de- so uh, I think it's important to understand that the special – we essentially have the, the special faculties because there was a period of time in which bishops didn't know what to do with priests who had walked off. There was a sort of period of time – I mean, to be honest, there was a period of time in the post-conciliar period, and in some of the chaos of the immediate post-conciliar period, when a great many clerics kind of walked off and disappeared for often
1: decades. with religious sisters with whom they set up house.
0: Yeah, often with religious sisters with whom they set up house, and and the and and there are many problems with that. But one of the problems is you ended up with guys who you are technically responsible for, you are legally responsible for, you could incur liability for their action because they have this relationship of incarnation to you, to your diocese, but you're exercising no practical supervision over and giving scandals of the fact that they remain sort of designated a cleric even while living a life that is you know, completely foreign In, to indeed. the clerical so the, state.
1: The first special faculty dealt with guys who were shacking up effectively, for, for lack of a better word. The second special faculty... Um, it, was set up for basically exacerbating circumstances around what we call Canon 1399, which is sort of, you know, the catch-all disciplinary canon of any other violation of divine or ecclesiastical law with exacerbating factors, grave scandal, um, long continuance, you know, refusal to submit to correction, that sort of thing. And then there was the third special faculty, which... I mean this is this is kind of a constant gripe amongst canonists it doesn't it doesn't exist anymore because um it's four guys who disappeared. Um right. desertion of ministry for a period of five years or more where basically the bishop can't find them and so they couldn't initiate a process against the guy because they couldn't cite him, because they didn't know where right. he was right. and they didn't have an address. Um and that was that has been a problem, um believe it or not. I, I say the special faculty doesn't really exist anymore because while well, they haven't specifically repealed the third special faculty from the Moto Proprio, which created all of them, they did in fact fold effectively the third special faculty into the new book six, which they promulgated yeah. just last year.
0: So it's the mu- less now of a special faculty. It's not so much like a special faculty as just
1: right. the ordinary law of the church.
0: Yeah, but uh, I think people still, in parlance, would talk about special faculties three. Like if we we're at. A, yeah, we don't far say desertion of ministry. We say, say oh, we spec- special faculty three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, but uh, everything we've understood, talking to people close to the case, is that Father Pavone was subject to a special faculties two process, right. mm-hmm. and that there was, you know, when when a priest is sort of special faculties two, as it were. um, there, There is, if you like, a, an initial problem that is usually identified, that he's done a thing, and that thing right. is bad. And we don't actually know what it was in Frank Pavone's case. Well, we know there was that the this...
0: Nuncio's letter or the Nuncio's communication said that, that it had something to do with blasphemy on social media. Yeah, and So one of the many posts of Father I was Pavone. I was about to say, and
1: in, with Mr. Pavone, that, <laughs> that part, could you know, be right. anything. I mean, right, you yeah. know, there's a, there's a lot to work with there under that heading.
0: But Pavone, um, who would have been informed of the process and aware of the process, had except said that he his, claims
1: he's never been informed of the process and is unaware well, of I the result. I thought he
0: claimed that he was unfair, aware only of the result, right? Uh, he let's to just have say some what Mr. Pavone is
1: aware of in this process so it's is... a
0: little bit hard to track. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he seemed to suggest that at one point he had referred to... Uh, either president or then candidate Biden as a GD loser, but fill in the blanks, and uh, and said something else about GD baby-calling politicians, and that he that some bishop who was opposed to him, namely, I think his own bishop, um, Bishop of Amar- Patrick Zurich of Amarillo, um, took the, those phrases which he meant colloquially, shouldn't have said, apologized for is what he says, took those phrases to be a kind of blasphemy, and therefore initiated a penal process in response to them. But as you say the special faculties two cases often have to do with someone who has a long standing relationship of obstinance or some particular sort of perdooring situation of obstinance in which there is some triggering event but it comes in the context of often of a relationship that is quite dysfunctional
1: right well and and again and i and i said this when we first heard about um the laicization of mr pavone is that it's almost never the thing that you did in the beginning that gets you laicized according to special faculties too. It's almost always the response over a period of years where you demonstrate no remorse, you refuse to accept correction from your bishop, you don't conform to legitimate instructions. And that seems to have been what's happened with with Frank Pavone and his diocese in Amarillo, Texas, which is, I mean, we've, you know, it's not, the bishop has not engaged in a sort of very long drawn out public whatever with Pavone over the years, but it has broken surface every now and then when he's had to issue a statement saying, basically, I don't approve of what this guy has said or done. And, you know, don't think that this comes with, you know, the implied or explicit endorsement of of the church or this diocese, et cetera. But he's also, there was an occasion where he said, you need to come home now. You're done with this priest for life thing. You've had your time. You're going to come home and you're going to be in a parish. And here's the parish I want, I'm assigning you to. I'm restricting and removing your faculties, your priestly faculties outside of the diocese. You have to come back to the diocese. And Father Pavone's answer, as near as I can tell, was, oh, yeah, make me. Um, And we know that Frank Pavone tried to get several other bishops to incarnate him in their diocese with the, I suppose, expectation that they would let him continue doing what he was doing at Priest for Life.
0: And the reason is that Pavone says that his work at Priest for Life is what he perceives to be a vocation within a vocation. He says, look, I was called to be a priest. I'm ordained a priest. My priesthood matters to me. Um, I have discerned over a period of time that in the context of being a priest, what God is calling me to is full-time apostolic work related to um, working for an end to abortion. We can talk about the character of that work in a minute. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about that sense of a call within a call. Uh, Why don't we wrap up the laicization and then kind of put a pin in call within a call.
1: Okay, sure. Uh, So wrapping up the laicization thing, it is you only as a bishop get to go to the congregation for, sorry, castry for clergy with a special faculties two case when you can demonstrate a long track record of I'm at the end of the road here. There is nothing else I can do. I've exhausted every legal avenue open to me. I've exhausted every pastoral overture that could possibly be made to this guy. And I've got nothing. So I've got no option left. This is it. And and the dicastery will normally kick it back to you if you haven't really legitimately reached the end of the road right. on either of those mm-hmm. things. they say, you know, okay. you can try again, you should ask one more time, you should you know whatever else. It's not an easy thing to get them to approve the these sorts of cases. And once the um once they take the case and say, all right, yeah, fine, let's hear it. There is, you know, there's still the legal right of defense. It's not a it's not a judicial process in the sense that there's a panel of judges or anything but you know there is a there's an instructor there is there are assessors appointed to consider the evidence and the circumstances there's a legal right of defense including to legal counsel for the guy who's who these special faculties are being applied to and most importantly as far as I'm concerned um, for understanding the pavone situation right the way along the process it is made repeatedly clear you can stop this anytime you want all that's you have to right. do is do what your bishop is asking. Yeah, and this all right. goes away. That's right. Um, anyway, you know, when you get to the end of the process, and you know the final opinions are submitted and the final argumentation is submitted, the instructor, you know, the congregation, the dicastery makes its call and says, "Yeah, no, this is the only option the bishop has." We agree, we approve. It then has to go to the pope because dispensation from the clerical state is a really serious, significant
0: thing, and thing. the special faculties cases. The, Our, the congregation for clergy effectively has the faculty to instruct the case to, to yes. move the to move the case along but it needs to be confirmed or
1: because it's identified. a special faculty it is each each case is approved by the pope in what we in the trade call informa specifica that is to say he signs off on each and every one individually and approves it so it is an act of the holy father to dismiss Mr. Pavone from the clerical state.
0: Which is case. why they have said that there's no right of appeal. No
1: appeal possible because it is a criminal act in the church to try and appeal a, an act of governance of the Roman pontiff.
0: Now, everything the Congregation for Clergy is doing is effectively, um, as you say, to present to the Holy Father. In fact, it is a special faculty to handle and present to the Holy Father for his approval in form of cases of dismissal from the clerical state and paint him with the consequent dispensation. So all of that. Okay. Okay. Um, What happened subsequently is interesting because one of the things which Pavone has said uh, repeatedly, which I I have gotten a lot of questions about, is Pavone says, well, I was never informed of it. We said this at the beginning. I heard about it from Catholic News Agency when a reporter called me up and asked me about it. I was never informed about this and how could the Holy See do that and all that. We have been uh, doing some speculating about that. What happens after the Holy Father approves it? Uh, The
1: the dicastery informs the local ordinary and says Mm -hmm. you are to inform the person. Yeah, you're to
0: you're to summon the person to the chancery, and then you're to inform them, right? So yes, the person is to be the 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 priest who is in the process of being laicized is to be called to the chancery and and effectively have the decree read to them to ensure that it has been understood and communicated. Um, this doesn't always happen, which is to say, the guy doesn't always show up. But it is the process by which dioceses are instructed to address the guy at the at the conclusion of the process.
1: Right, and I, I think. Um, <laughs> You can read the tea leaves of what's gone on here fairly easily, that what appears to have happened is that Frank Pavone was summoned by his bishop to receive the decision in the At process. At least,
0: this seems to us to be the most likely scenario, kind of taking into account what we know about the process and taking into account what Pavone has said and what the Holy See has said vis-a-vis the nuncio. this seems to us to be the most likely
1: Yes, and just he's okay. refused to turn up to be given the decision in his own case. And he he knows, would have
0: been summoned, and he has not responded to the summons. It's
1: it's basically the and you do see this in some special faculties cases where basically the cleric or the laicized cleric will. You know how in TV shows and films you've you've always got the scenes where like you know someone's trying to you know the you've got the guy who from the court who's trying to serve the subpoena. And like you have to throw the envelope at him and actually hit him with it, and you know, that sort of, and you get into this sort of cute little game where guys are like, well, you know, you didn't actually touch me with the envelope, so yeah, you know, right, it, exactly. I, I haven't actually been informed. Right. You can't mm-hmm. say that. That's not how it works. Um, but they, but they tend to play these games anyway. And also, I think that's that you. My suspicion that that's what happened in Perón's case is bolstered by the fact that Lenuncio wrote this, met this letter right. to all of the U.S. bishops saying basically, an, a month after the fact, more yeah, than because a month the lay
0: cessation was affected. I think November 9th, according to the letter. yeah. Yeah.
1: So it seems to me that the, the nuncio, having been informed of the bishop, like, you know, this guy will not turn up to be officially mm-hmm. notified. Right. And he's just going to continue wandering around saying he's a priest. And so the nuncio... is are informing you,
0: because it's rather common, actually, for bis- the bishops to be informed. It's rather common in the United States and other countries as well for bishops to be informed. I remember this from my days of diocesan administration, that bishops will be informed about a person who is presenting himself as a priest illicitly in dioceses. Dear bishops, please be informed that... You know, so and so has presented himself in a number of dioceses as a priest, claiming to have faculties for X, Y, and Z. Please usually asking for money. Faculties usually asking for money for something in his country. Yeah, that's right. Please be aware that he does not have faculties. That he's not. You know, he's not. That his story about being delegated for X, Y, and Z by you know by person Y is not true. And you know, be aware and and you know you may wish to inform your pastors. That's a relatively, at least in my days in diocesan administration, that was a relatively common communication. And so. I I don't think that the th- this communication was not framed in the same way, but I, it is, it was intended to notify the bishops of this and given as as the nuncio said the sort of public interest in Pavone give give t- to give Catholics I mean I think the, the nuncio is clear about this to give Catholics some awareness of the fact that Pavone is no longer a cleric, and so there there was a desire for that that it seems does align with the notion that Pavone. Did not respond to the summons. Now, is that definitively? No. I mean, are we saying we can. Dem- no, um, it is possible that Pavone didn't get the summons. It's possible that for some reason there wasn't. You can imagine possibilities, I suppose. I can't. In, our, in The Nuncio
1: doesn't start writing those letters. If,
0: no, right. I'm just saying, in our experience, this is the one which seems to us to fit the pattern of how special faculties, lay association cases often conclude and fit, align sort of with what Pavone has said and what the Nuncio has said. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay, so that leaves Pavone not as a cleric, but continuing to present himself as a cleric, to wear clerics, to go to do a lot of media interviews in clerics, to... Um, call to, himself uh, father. Call himself father. He he has been somewhat vague. I, I've watched a bunch of interviews with him, and people say, well, are you going to keep offering Mass? And he says, well, you know, we can still do a lot of my work at Priests for Life. This won't impact a lot of my work at Priest for Life, and uh, the board of Priests for Life is still behind me, and... Uh, he, I he had, found this
1: an interesting line he's drawn because he does seem to be canceling masses that he was.
0: He he canceled at least one intended live stream mass and possibly more. And he, every time he's asked, he says, uh, well, you know, um, he's asked about the sacraments. He's, he he pivots to, well, we can keep doing our work at priest for life. This doesn't impact it, et cetera. My. my which got, was, see,
1: ironically kind of goes to Bishop Zurich's point that he made, I think it was in 2019 or something where he said that then father pavon appears to view the, Priesthood as you know, it's become an inconvenience to him in his other.
0: That was what work. Bishop Zirk had said that he that he had was perceiving his his work in priest for life as a as a, as primary to his priest identity. Um, but, but but the point is, Pavone has been coy. Uh, if nothing else, Pavone has been coy about what he will do sacramentally. Um, but I'm not so sure that that matters, right? And I think the reason he's doing that is because he doesn't want to sort of, one, I think he probably doesn't know what he's going to do. And two, I think he's trying to maintain this thing, well, I haven't heard from anyone and they're welcome to call me and these kinds of things. And that's part of it. And three, I think um, he doesn't, he thinks that by doing this, he's going to avoid provoking the ire of the diocesan bishop in the place where he lives, the Bishop of Orlando, where Pavone built a headquarters for Priests for Life a couple of years ago and moved uh, with um, despite the, urgent uh, uh, encouragement of Bishop Zurich to move back home to the Diocese of Ramarillo. Um, I think he's concerned that if he live streams a mass, he's going to escalate things or lose um, the wide, re- relatively widespread public support that he has gotten in some circles um, by demonstrating a rather sort of more overt defiance of, of his uh, of the church's decree. But I really don't think that matters. I think if he continues to present himself as a priest, Given the provocative nature of this, given the um, the public attention on this, given Pavone's rhetoric about bish- about bishops and not being beholden to the church's authority and these kinds of well, things. Given that he's think,
1: leading an organization called Priests called for Priests Life, for which, Life right? which the apostolic see has now acted to clarify, is not a Catholic organization. Catholic organization.
0: Which is to say it doesn't have a canonical status of any kind.
1: Yeah. So um, if you're leading an organization called Priests for Life, which is not a Catholic organization, you're holding yourself out to be a cleric when you're not and you're and let's be honest, quite a lot of their work is raising money, mm-hmm. that's going to provoke a backlash. Yeah, you're going to, so I you're, think
0: it's probable that eventually that, – I don't think it will be too long. I would not be surprised if in too long he got a letter from the Bishop of Orlando telling him to knock it off as a as a warning and telling him that there would be a penalty for failing to knock it off and that he might face escalating penalties, including, including the penalty of excommunication subsequently. I, I would not be surprised by it. On the other hand, I would not be surprised if the Bishop's – put out press releases saying Pavone is not a priest but didn't actually avail themselves of the canonical process because if there's one thing you learn here at the Pillar Podcast, it's that bishops are sometimes loath to avail themselves of the actual processes manifested to them in law for handling these kinds of things and tend just as often to consult um, or far more often to consult their civil lawyers and communications professionals about how to handle wayward priests than to handle uh, than, than to consult their canonists who would probably suggest an escalating course of canonical response.
1: I, I, I applaud Bishop Zurich for... Um, pursuing the, the rule of law of the in process. this case, not to say that I feel that he had no other option. I don't know the ins and outs of the case. I just mean it's, it is always edifying to see the law as it is intended to be used being used.
0: But it is not edifying for very many people, Ed, because very many people have a bunch of perceptions about this. One, that Pavone has been unjustly persecuted, that Pavone had the sanction and and clerics who they regard as preaching um, you know, heresy, the person who comes up most often is Father Martin, has not been laicized that Pavone you know that the bishops don't like Pavone's pro life activity that the bishops don't like Pavone's
1: Trump I, activity. I have seen um a fair bit of this
0: And Pavone is Pavone is driving a fair bit of that right I mean you've seen a fair oh, bit yeah. of that Oh yeah no I mean this that, is right. his yeah he's right. he's clearly mm-hmm.
1: feeding a narrative that suits him um and, and I've seen that all of this being directed at either the Vatican quote unquote uh, or, or Pope Francis—that this mm-hmm. is somehow you know Pope Francis is laicizing a maga which is priest. part of the
0: reason I think why we start why we started by saying right. effectively that Bishop Zurich initiated this. Process, well, but this
1: is so. the thing: is if you've got a beef about why has "quote unquote" the Vatican or Pope Francis laicized Frank Pavone, but not Father James Martin, you've you've misunderstood the process and how it works. the The Vatican is a is a reactive force in a special faculties case. It's not instigated by the Holy See. The Holy See doesn't say, we're going to go after this guy. That the local ordinary, the responsible bishop for the priest is the one who makes the case, who brings the case, who says, I have a responsibility to deal with this person. I have run out of options Mm -hmm. in dealing with this person, and so I need to go and escalate and ask for, effectively, you to do what I am not able to do. Now, if someone has a problem with another priest and how they are exercising their public ministry, whether it's Father James Martin or someone else, you know, your beef is not with Pope Francis or the Holy See. Your beef is with the his proper superior of right? that priest.
0: Yeah. If you think that uh, that Father Martin is not teaching the Catholic faith or is teaching things contrary to the Catholic faith or whatever, yeah, you have to ask yourself, well, what is his provincial superior in the Society of Jesus mm-hmm. doing about that? I mean, that's, and he's that's not, the question. But and he, he,
1: being Father Martin, is not obliged to hold himself to any standard other than what his provincial is happy
0: for him to be doing. With that said, I think people are saying, "Well, it's because of his poli- it's because he's, of his politics. It's because of his politics." And I think it does have to be recognized that, yes, it is. It, what has happened to Pavone is in part because of um, his his primary commitment, as demonstrated by his public persona and his frequent public statements, his primary commitment to openly partisan activity, um, which is which is uh, prohibited of clerics, you know, openly partisan activity um, in a way that his bishop has not, in in a way that his bishop has discouraged in various ways and in a way which is seen to be um, inconsonant with the clerical state. It, it, it is, of course it is, related to the fact that he is, an, that, that Pavone has been and has fas- fancied himself and has fashioned Priests for Life over the past several years as an extremely partisan-focused organization and said the part of, and, and, and Pavone has effectively said the part of pro-life activity that I'm going to focus on is my perception that –
1: Stopping the steal.
0: Yeah, stopping the steal. But before that, electing Republicans and, and defeating Democrats. And then going so far all into that that by January 6th, his primary thing you know, was stop, uh, sort of stopping the steal thing. And that became his rhetoric for quite some time. Yes, I think his bishop is saying, I think that's unbecoming a cleric. And that is part of it because there are legitimate and concrete and real questions about – the uh, not questions, about uh, real issues for a cleric to be – involved in political life in that way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Can we talk about another reaction
0: to? Uh, sure. I don't want to forget about vocation within a vocation, but yes. Okay. What
1: did you make of um, the only direct episcopal response to Pouvon's case?
0: Oh, yeah. So Bishop. um uh, Bishop the, the Bishop of Strickland. Yeah, yeah. Bishop um, uh, Bishop Strickland of Tyler. Strickland of Tyler. The Bishop of Tyler. The Bishop Strickland of Tyler. Shortly after Pavone uh, did his thing, the Bishop of Tyler, Bishop Strickland. I want to kind of get it, get it concretely here and say it as he said it. The blasphemy is that this holy priest is canceled while an evil president promotes the denial of truth and the murder of the unburned at every turn. Vatican officials promote immorality and the denial of the deposit of faith and priests promote gender confusion, devastating lives. Evil, dot da da, evil. Now, I want to say we on this show have talked a lot. uh We on this show have talked a lot about the issue of Biden receiving Holy Communion and Canon 9:15. And I, I don't think anyone has to ask what do Ed and JD think about the application of Canon 9:15 and the importance of it in the life of the Church because we've been talking about that with you guys for a lot of years. And, 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 and we, that, in
1: fact, the only serious fight we've ever had on this show is some of us want to go further. Right, than exactly. Canon and some of
0: us, well. Perhaps both of us want to go further. Some of us would ask the question about, does the law allow it?
1: And the other the, us would answer it and say, yes. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs>
0: the point is, the point is, it's Christmas. It's um, fight, J.D. Yeah, what does that mother say in that waiting room, Ed? This is Christmas, the season of perpetual the hope. The season of perpetual hope. Um, so it, there's, I hope there will be no doubt about our perspective, both with regard to the profound immorality of legal protection for abortion and and the gravely sinful so, and the gravely sinful position of those who would advocate for or work to enable legal protection of abortion let alone participate in procuring yes, abortion. yes there I mean, is there no, no
1: ambiguity or disagreement yeah, on that.
0: that okay right but this tweet is interesting so so um should a president promote the denial of truth and the murder of the unborn that should be dealt with in the appropriate ecclesiastical manner and i think Ed and I have that but this tweet is interesting because um it's a it, it talks about the blasphemy of this holy priest being cancelled under these circumstances while these things happen. The blasphemy is that this holy priest is cancelled. Ellipsis. Vatican officials promote immorality and the denial of the deposit of faith and priests promote gender confusion and devastating lives. I that last sentence is a matter of opinion um, you know Vatican officials promote immorality and the denial of the deposit of faith well you can't deny for example that the secretary of the the permanent secretary of the synod or the prefect of the permanent secretary of the synod has said things which call into question the deposit of, the, uh, of faith right or or would seem to promote immoral act, activity right I mean I think that is in an assessment within the realm of actually judgment of things that are happening I'm not super scandalized by that
1: um I'm not super scandalized by it on its own, I, insofar as it relates to the primary declaration of the message, which is the the only blasphemy here is the cancellation of this priest.
0: Well, and so there are people who say what Strickland is saying is Strickland is criticizing the juxtaposition, the juxtaposition between the cancelization or laicization of Pavone and the situation in which an evil president promotes the denial of truth and the murder of the unborn at every turn. To say that the blasphemy is the incongruity between how Pavone has been dealt with and how um, and how President Biden has been dealt with, there are people there are people who take that position and say that's what Strickland meant. I, I think a, I think an equally sort of plain text reading of the thing is the blasphemy is that this holy priest is canceled, and um, you know that is that could be seen or could be understood, or if that's the plain text reading of it is to say this act of the Roman Pontiff is an act of blasphemy, um, and even given that. In fact, we have the situation of an evil president presenting the denial of truth. And, and what he didn't say is the blasphemy is that the church does this but doesn't deal with this. He simply says, is canceled under the circumstances in which an evil president present, prevent, promotes the denial of truth. I, I think it, I think a plain text reading of it is to say this action in these circumstances, which he says that we have, and I wouldn't say that we don't indeed have a president promoting these things, um, is that this holy priest is canceled. That seems to be calling the act itself blasphemy. That seems to be the plain text reading of the text. I understand what people who are defenders say. No, oh, no, he means that the juxtaposition. But the text doesn't actually say that. The okay, text says but, the blasphemy is this thing. Yes. These are the circumstances.
1: But let's, let's apply a charitable reading and say that the intention of the message from Bishop Strictly is not to say this particular act of governance of the Holy See is blasphemy explicitly. That he is describing as blasphemy the incongruity of Vatican officials preaching against the deposit of faith and biden etc while pavone is Mm laicized let's take it as a sort of charitable reading of it is an entire package saying the the problem is the vatican is doing this in this case and not doing this in other cases or doing this other thing in other cases right take it as a package deal is that not even in that charitable reading an incitement of animosity canon
0: 1369 a person who, in a public speech or show, in published or in published writing, or in other uses of the instruments of social communication, I think that we are here in the category of other int- uses of the instruments of social communication. Others blasphemies. About Wait,
1: I'm sorry. What canon. what canon are you reading?
0: Oh, sorry. I'm actually reading the wrong canon. I, I'm looking at 1369, but I need to be looking at 1373.
1: Thank you. I, I would think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A person who publicly incites among subjects animosities or hatred against the apostolic see or an ordinary because of some act of power of ecclesiastical ministry or provokes subjects to disobey them is to be punished by an interdict or other just penalties. A person who publicly incites among subjects animosities or hatred against the apostolic see or an, ordinary, or an ordinary because of some act of power or ecclesiastical ministry. Let's stop there. Okay. A person who publicly incites a few canons above, the church said that that could be in writing or other instruments of social communication, or this, so I think we would potentially be in public here, it seems to me. Um, animosities or hatred against the apostolic, or an ordinary, because of some act of power. Well, the laicization, the cancellation, if you will, is indeed an act of apostolic power, right? Or of, 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 of jurisdictional power, right? The Pope in the laicization of Pavone is exercising jurisdiction. He is undertaking some act of power or ecclesiastical ministry. So the question is, is this tweet, which you're suggesting I think is, it, is, is potentially a delict, a canonical crime, is this tweet inciting among subjects of the Pope animosity or hatred against the apostolic see or an ordinary.
1: I, I wouldn't go as far as to say hatred, but I think...
0: I think saying this act of ecclesiastical power is an act of blasphemy may well indeed be inciting among subjects animosities.
1: And and to, uh, to be fair, I'm, I'm, try, I'm coming to this soft conclusion, taking it in the round, taking the entire context of the statement. And and I would even go so far as to say if the if the original tweet from Bishop Strickland said, the only blasphemy here is that Frank Pavone X while Joe Biden Y. I would have said, that's nah, not very well phrased. I don't like that, but okay, you know, whatever.
0: But it refers specifically to some act of ecclesiastical power.
1: And then it goes on to say, and it's the Vatican who are doing X, Y, and Z. And this is not, you know, the, the canon does not say the Roman pontiff in person. The apostolic see. And the tweet specifically says... You know, while Vatican officials, blah, 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 referring to the Apostolic See, saying its governance here is bad, its governance here is worse. That seems like inciting animosity
0: may well be a delict. I don't think that there would be a response to it. And here's here's the deal. I don't think there will be a
1: response to it. I'm just saying I think it's irresponsible to put out statements like that in the beginning.
0: Here's the deal. There are people who are listening to this show right now. We are, what, 40 minutes into the show? I don't know. Something like Probably. that. Yeah, yeah, okay. We are 49 minutes into the show. And there are people who are listening to the show saying, what are you guys doing? There are so many problematic things happening in the life of the church. There are bishops in Europe advocating for the liturgical blessings of same-sex couples and advocating against the Humana Vitae. There are officials in the Pontifical Academy of for Life suggesting that Humana Vitae can be revised. There are priests advocating for same-sex activity, which contravenes Christian doctrine. There's a bishop in Switzerland who doesn't allow his priests effectively to um, to claim that homosexual activity is wrong. There are, there are so many problems in the church. The, the synodal path is profoundly undermining our basic ecclesiological principles, and indeed Biden is, a, a public Catholic who the bishops are reticent to discipline in, in very serious ways, is indeed promoting legal protection for abortion right in this country. What are you guys doing, right? There's a we whole cadre of people— things. Yeah, there is a whole cadre of people who are saying that. First, I would say, yeah, we, we cover all we cover that cover that history. all the time. We cover that stuff all the time. We talk about that stuff all the time. We're tired of talking about that stuff. Not not tired of it. We'll keep doing it. But we talk about that stuff. You can't – if you put us in context. But I think the point is, I think there's a whole cadre of people who are saying, why is, why is anybody saying Pavone is the one who should face this sanction? Why is anybody picking on the words of the Bishop of Strickland when there's all this terrible stuff happening in the life of the church? Please, please. Do not mistake us to be suggesting that, um, in our estimation, Pavone is the most immediate disciplinary need in the life of the church. Um, but it is, but it is the disciplinary move which has been made in the life of the church. And one of the things that we try to do, and one of the things that I honestly think Christians are called to do, um, is to some extent to assess the thing. Um, to assess the thing in front of us as the thing in front of us, to say, okay, what is this? What is the deal with this Pavone situation? What can we know about this Pavone situation? What is the response to this Pavone situation? Let's treat it justly by treating it as its own thing. That doesn't mean we ignore, um, you know, everything else that's happening in the life of the church, or even say, oh, people see a pattern in which certain kinds of things are tolerated and um, and certain kinds of things are not tolerated, and that should be addressed. all kinds of patterns about different. that sort of stuff. All Again, kinds cover of things the time. are and, right, and all and those kinds of things should be addressed and um, and. You need to bark at the right trees to do that, and the people who are responsible for it need to be asked about that and all that. But none of that in and of itself, this is the thing that I've seen most often, none of that in and of itself vitiates the question, was Pavone himself in Pavone's situation treated with justice, right? Pavone, does Pavone's situation merit X? And um, if Pavone's situation merits X, or if we're unpacking what happened in Pavone's situation or whatever, I, I think th- the, there's this sort of response of like, well... I, I just keep thinking about laborers in the vineyard, although I haven't quite worked out the analogy yet. Well, we've been in the vineyard a long time and now our guy's getting in trouble or something. But th- the fact of the matter is the question is to look at this situation and to say, was the law applied in this situation? Were procedures applied in this situation? That doesn't mean everything is rosy in the church and everything else should be ignored. It just means with regard to this situation, what's, what's true and what's real?
1: Well, I mean, yes. My my response would be even perhaps a, a little more spiky. but <laughs> well,
0: just. well
1: I didn't You're care so about true. this. I did, You called me about the phone over the weekend. And you said, oh, my God. Can you believe this? I said, I don't I care. I ne- whoa, 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 Why are you bothering whoa, 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 whoa. me on a Sunday? Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. I never say, oh, my God. No, you, didn't. A, you I, never say that. <laughs> you get in trouble for it. I don't. Yes. And I
1: said, I don't care. Why are you calling me about this on the weekend? This doesn't and matter I to me. If we broke our weekend every time a I priest who deserted ministry... Many- got leicized, I wouldn't have had a day off since 2014. And, and I
0: say because very many people will care a great deal about this, and that and is true, isn't about it?
1: about that, you were very right.
0: Right. Very many people care a great deal about this. And part of the reason why very many people care a great deal about this is because they don't see um, uh, they don't the see wider canonical context. Well, yes, and they don't see justice on any number of other things. And that's that is a fair criticism in, in itself. It is a fair criticism to say, boy, it seems like there is Not justice on any number of things, but I think it should be understood that because it's important to understand that this is an episcopally driven process, which which does not mean that the Holy See itself was saying like, well, you know, we're going to put our files on all these other bad guys away. That the Congregation for Clergy was saying, we're going to put our files on all these other bad guys away because we want to go after Pavone. No, indeed. They got this. They got this. Special faculties petition from this bishop, and they processed it as they process special faculties petitions every day of their lives at the Congregation Records. My,
1: my point was, if 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 indeed beloved friends who listen to this podcast are saying, "Why are you talking about this? How can you it, 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 you made me do it?"
0: <laughs> well, and you guys made us do it because you have a lot of questions about it. We're trying to tell you the answers to the questions.
1: Exactly. We could have had a nice quiz if everyone had just said, "Frank, who?" We could have had a lovely quiz this week. <laughs>
0: We could have had a lovely quiz, so we wish all of you very earnestly a, 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 a very merry Christmas. We will have some kind of spectacular before Candlemas, because I want to. I like it spectacular very very much. But we're just deeply grateful that we can do this show and that so many people who listen to the show reach out to us and and uh, and tell us that it matters to them and uh, and that means it means a lot to us and it, we're grateful for the friendships which we have developed over the show. And this has been a year in which we've done two live shows and see, and gotten to hang out with people who listen to the show. And that's been a great gift for us, and I hope we're able to do more um, next year. And, uh, of course, this is not a sales pitch, but, of course, we are grateful for people who subscribe to The Pillar because that's the thing that makes the engine of The Pillar go. And, of course, we're really grateful for all of the advertisers that we've had this year at The Pillar Podcast. That's a new thing for us, and we are obviously still booking advertising for The Pillar Podcast for 2023, and you can reach out to us and contact us about that. Um, But uh, we're really grateful for those whom we have had. Uh, we do have to get to work, Ed. um We are praying for all of you. Do you want I, to play some sort of a Christmas shenanigan before we...
1: All right. Um, what's your favorite Christmas movie? The Sound of Music. What? Yeah. What are you talking about?
0: The Sound of Music. Uh, Julie Andrews plays a... Um...
1: It's not a Christmas. There's, there's no Christmas in it.
0: What are you talking about? Okay, you've got Julie Andrews, Austria, Alps, singing... Parties, dresses, fleeing from the Nazis, over a mountain. You've got many of the things which make for a wonderful Christmas movie. And, and The Sound of Music is perhaps the best movie to watch with your family at Christmas because everyone likes singing the sound of the, are the you, songs. They're the going
1: songs. on boat trips. They cross the Alps on I, foot, J.D. Do you think you can do that in the Christmas? winter?
0: No, I don't think it's Christmas Have you ever been movie, to the Alps? I, I don't think. I don't think a Christmas movie has to take place only at Christmas. I think a Christmas movie is one which is best enjoyed. During Christmas time. Oh,
1: this and. is anarchy! The entire co- the entire concept of a Christmas film means nothing if you're just going to say you like to watch it at Christmas. I mean, this is
0: TVInsider.com. Ed, how oh. the Sound of Music became a Christmas movie staple. Distractify.com, whatever that is. Why the Sound of Music is a Christmas movie. Rogers and Hammerstein.com. How the Sound of Music became a Christmas movie, etc. Need I go on?
1: You, you need you needn't. I'm not going to accept any of this. <laughs> I'm going to get... Okay, I, let's, do, let's do this. I have... The Sound of Music have,
0: is my favorite Christmas movie. Followed okay. by... Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, let's do some... I, I have strong, strongly favored Christmas films that I watch. It's watched.
0: a whole... This, the Sound of Music is a... I
1: don't want to talk about the Sound of Music anymore. It's not a Christmas movie. We're moving on. But let's about talk fa- about B-side Christmas a movie Christmas about a holy family. Who needs there's there's a lot of good... Because
0: they're going to be persecuted. They need to go to ex- into exile because they're persecuted. They're visited by a baronet, and then they need to go into exile because they're going to be persecuted, this holy family. They flee. Ah. <sighs>
1: climb every mountain madness your problem jd
0: is you don't like christmas <laughs>
1: you're a little bit of a grinch i'm not
0: going to i'm not a little i'm not into i'm not i don't like every i i am not no don't, you don't sorry.
1: you don't like christmas you don't like yeah. the christmas decorations you don't you don't have favorite christmas films that are actually I christmas do. films you 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 don't you don't like closing like, the office like christmas. for christmas
0: I don't like uh, closing the office. I've
1: been hearing thing. your I've been hearing the edge come into your voice since We
0: I, have work to do. We have lots of work yeah, to do. You and we w- own our own business. For God's sake, we can't just be bouncing around decking halls.
1: Yeah. You're you are I'm gonna have to turn my phone off or we're gonna have a fight sometime over Christmas Day because you're, you're gonna be calling me.
0: gonna try to turn your me. phone off, but you miss me.
1: <laughs> I, I, the, the funny thing is if you called me just because you wanted to talk I'd love it but you're going to call me on Christmas say, Hey can you read this thing and you, what do you think about this And I think we really should do and I'm going to say no we shouldn't Leave me alone it's Christmas with sleigh
0: bells and schnitzel with noodles oh, Wild geese that fly with the moon on their wings Those are all Christmas things and they're a few <laughs> of My favorite things no, Girls sh- in white dresses at midnight mass And blue satin sashes Snowflakes that stay on my nose and eyelashes At Christmas silver white winters and Christmas is time that melt into spring these two are a few of my favorite Christmas things. Yeah, we're going to leave it there. Okay. That was the holy question? That was your preparation? You said, I'll work on a Christmas game? Your game was, no, we're done. your favorite I, I, No,
1: I was going to, we were going to do B-side <laughs> Christmas tracks that we liked. We were going to do Christmas film, you know, forgotten classic Christmas films. We were going to do Christmas drinks. Oh, I don't but care you know what? about
0: that kind of stuff. I know you don't. You know you what? I just care about the incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
1: Merry Christmas, you Grinch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ho, ho, ho. This episode of the Pillar Podcast, a production of Pillar Media and Ed NJD Production. I'm your host, J.D. Flynn, joined by my podcasting partner, Elf on a Shelf himself, Ed Condon. And uh, we will be back during Christmastide with some kind of an extravaganza just for you. The season's upon us, it's that time of year. Brandy and eggnog, there's plenty of cheer. There's lights on the trees and there's reefs to behold. There's mischief and mayhem and songs to be sung There's bells and this holly, the kid's are gung-ho True love finds a kiss beneath fresh mistletoe Some families are messed up while others are fine If you think yours is crazy, well you should see mine